Welcome back to Revive School. My name is Gordon Hinkey, and I am one of the pastors from northern Indiana, and we get to come down to Dallas every once in a while and uh, record. We're just uh, honored to be a part of Time to Revive's work here in Revive School, going through the whole Bible in two years. Also realizing there are partners in faith who are taking this in various areas of the nation and even of the world. And we give a shout out to them and just thank God for bringing together a union through the Word of God. Also to our radio partners, WFRN and others, we are just so thankful for the medium that God gives us to put the Word of God into capsule form in a sense and bring it into households throughout the nation and the world. We don't take this lightly. Uh, We have a tremendous freedom in this nation, and uh, we are thankful for that. Today, we are in Galatians chapter 6, going to finish up the book of Galatians. Boy, if if you think about this, it's a journey. And it's got a single intention um, in the book of Galatians, this letter to the Galatians from the Apostle Paul. There, there are aspects of this, and, and it, this has been one of those um, take the next step and the next place and the next understanding. And Paul is giving the audience of Galatians uh, a revelation step-by-step process of how these things work. And you've heard it uh, through Kyle. You've heard it through Pastor Tom Schieffer. You've, you've heard these things step along. And now he's going to bring somewhat of a conclusion to the matter, but it's not in a way that, um, that you, you see it unless you um, walk through the steps. I, I, I love the book of Galatians. Uh, it's got a personality of its own. It's not like Ephesians, not like Philippians. It's not like Romans. Uh, Galatians is a very different book. And yet I believe that God gave the inspiration for these things so that the 2,000 years later that we're reading them, I still believe there's a Galatian church. I believe there's a Philippian church. I believe there's an Ephesian church. In other words, the things that are spoken by that letter would so bring application into the various environments of the church of the 21st century, which they could never have visualized. And um, so here we are, and we're finishing up uh, this wonderful book. Uh, I, I look at this chapter, and what I call this, it's not in a full extent, but in a lot of this, I call Galatians 6 the spiritual work ethic. Because we have this, <clears throat> how can I say, this love-hate relationship in the church today with works. We, we have this idea that the law was all of works. So when we come into grace, there's no works involved. Well, that's true for salvation. But the other part of that is, we who are of Christ will develop a pattern of good works on the inside from the spirit that is within us because sharing the gospel should become natural. Loving people, like like Pastor Tom said in chapter 5, should become natural. The, the fruit of the spirit is meant to be a matured fruit that comes out of our lives and therefore it becomes magnetic to those around us. And so I believe that there is a work ethic that is involved but it's by the Spirit and not by law. And so as we come into chapter 6, please understand that I'm not wanting to see a works doctrine for salvation come in, but there is meant to be an intentional flip 
from what the law has prescribed as manner of working things out into what the Spirit is now describing as uh, the way of working things out. So the tension between the flesh and the Spirit is really the whole subject of Galatians. So here we are, Galatians chapter 6. In verse 1 it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Now, whether you believe, you know, whatever your view of salvation is and all this kind of stuff, any of us are capable of being overtaken in a fault. And if, if we look at this passage and say, if a man be overtaken in a fault, it says, ye which are spiritual. Okay, so in this context, guys, who are the spiritual? Uh, those that believe. And those who are filled with the Spirit and show the fruit of the Spirit. So we, we've been talking all the way through Galatians 1 through now 6. We've been talking about the works of the law. We've been talking about the works of the flesh in chapter 5. We've been talking about what is the natural part of who we are. And then there is the spiritual side of who we are. And that's what's from the inside. So it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, you which are following the Spirit, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. I wrote a couple things down. It says this, the law accuses and the law shifts responsibility. In other words, I, I mean, come on, if we sin, we know we sin, okay? And sin is meant to have a consequence. And so what the law did is we became law enforcement. If there was somebody that violated the law, we'd go, you, you did that. And what was it meant to be? You're out of here. We have a new concept of the life of the spirit and the law of life in the spirit. That's, that's a new concept. And that is, we're not trying to get rid of people. We're trying to bring people in. We want this to work in your life. We know that this is the way of God. We know this is the process of salvation. So therefore, we desire it for you. So now it says, if you do that, restore such a person in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now he says, consider, considering yourself, treat them like you would want someone to treat you if you'd be overtaken in a fall. If you've found to be in sin... Go after that person and restore them in the spirit of meekness. This is a a complete switch from the law, and this is why I'm bringing attention to it. The spiritual ethic that is involved in the spirit is not meant to be, the law is condemning, the spirit is not. The spirit wants the, the idea of redemption, what Jesus paid for, to be the track record of who we are. So let's go to verse 2. And this gets, gets real fun. Now listen closely, okay, because there will be a quiz. Bear ye one another's burdens. Okay, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Let's go on. I just want to get through it because it's so fun. For for if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work 
But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. And then listen to verse 5. For every man shall bear his own burden. Here's what I love about this language. We just read that we should bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And yet three verses later, we're saying every man shall bear his own burden. Now, here's here's where I I see the spiritual aspect of Galatians chapter six coming into play so strongly is. I'm not looking for my own gain. I'm not looking so that I can be something. If a man thinks he's something when he is nothing, it's not going to go anywhere. That's that's the point of this. So what I have to do, and this is what I call kingdom mindedness. This none of this was our plan. I didn't have creation in mind. I didn't have the fall in mind. I didn't have Noah's Ark in mind. I didn't have the covenant with Abraham in mind. I didn't understand Moses was going to deliver them. I didn't know Christ was coming. I get to look at all of this from back here and go, now that's a plan. I have nothing in myself. I have nothing. I am here and I look at this and I'm going, I'm just happy to be here. I'm so thrilled that I have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ with these ears so that this spirit could be reborn and now I can enjoy life in the spirit and I have no right to say that I'm entitled to something. Nothing. So with that in mind, I would want to look at others and say, you can have this too. You can work alongside this too. I want to help you come into it. Why? Because I know that I am part of his plan in his kingdom so that you can become more like him as I strive to be more like him. So we, we, we bear one another's burdens. We, we look at this and we fulfill the law of Christ by, by looking around and saying, I know what your heart is. I know your heart is to follow after God. I know your desire is to obey the ways of God. I want to help you do that. So if I see someone overtaken in a fault, what should I do? I should go to them and say, look, I know what your heart is. I really have a desire to see you grow. So I want to bring this to you and say, I'm concerned for you. Boy, there's something that's right here in the book of Galatians that we as church, do we do that? There, there was a, a teaching a long time ago. How many of you remember Promise Keepers? You guys go to Promise Keepers ever? Oh, yes. Like, who is a favorite speaker at Promise Keepers of you guys? Anybody in mind? Tony Evans. Tony Evans? Raleigh Washington. Um, Anybody else? Did either any of you guys ever get to hear a man named Wellington Boone? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. I was so impressed with Wellington Boone. This man came out there and he came out after a couple other speakers. Never forget it. I was in the Indianapolis Dome of the day. And um, he comes out there and he's got a Bible and he's got no notes. My kind of guy. And um, he, he comes out there and he starts talking and immediately there is something about him, and I know what it is. It's the Spirit of God. It began to grip me, and I was just drawn in to what he was saying because it was just, it wasn't his charisma and dynamic speaking. It was penetrating. And he began to talk about an army of worms. And I'm going, that's interesting. He said, do you know how worms work? 
And that was a question, you know, no, not necessarily. He goes, this is how worms work. He said, do you realize that worms are a key to good soil? Uh, no, that's another thing I didn't know. Uh, I haven't really looked at the soil. I know that I used to dig night crawlers because I used to live by a river. Worms were good for fishing. I didn't know worms were good for the soil. He says this, the nature of the worm is that they will start on the surface and they'll come up, and especially in a very wet time, and they'll come up, and then they'll start to go down in the soil. And the nature of the worm is to go down to where it begins to get hard, and then they will just kind of move along at that. The nature of the worm after him is to come down to where that worm is. And he has softened it up enough that he goes underneath that one. And actually, he loosens a little bit more soil. And then the other worm goes underneath him. And pretty soon, what they do is that they go just a little bit deeper because each one that goes down loosens the soil just a little bit more. He said, if the church could understand this concept and we would become the army of worms, do you realize that every time a worm goes deep, he actually lifts the other worms that are up above because he's loosening the soil. And, and as it's tenderized, it's easier for that worm. And then the worm comes up and then the worm goes deep. And he made a, he even wrote a book about this army of worms. And it fascinates me. And that's been a lot of years ago. And here I am recalling his teaching on the army of worms. That's what this is saying. Let's put it this way. Out of this, I, I say this. Not only does the law accuse, the law shifts responsibility. But if I believe, if I truly am convinced of the law of Christ, then I am a believer. And if I'm convinced then I take responsibility for my believing. It doesn't require somebody else. I'm convinced. However, when I am convinced, I want other people to be convinced. So in that, I will bear the burden for that person so that they are continuing to be convinced. But I don't have to have somebody tell me that I'm convinced. I'm already convinced. But if I am among a group of people who are absolutely convinced, then they're also going to look at me and they're going to become that army of worms that they'll look at me and say, hey, brother, I think if you would do this or maybe I'm concerned with this and we become people who bear each other's burdens. But I am not going to blame somebody that they didn't come along for me enough. And so I will let my ministry prove itself because I'm convinced. I, I don't have to have somebody else say, well, you know, I don't think you're strong enough in faith. No, I already know that I want to obey God. Recently, I actually spoke on, on this passage at church. And this is an exercise that I, I uh, asked the church to do on a Sunday morning. I said, I believe that one of the weakest points of the church is mutual accountability. And I think that one of the areas that we can walk in that would strengthen us so much is in this area of holding each other accountable. Because you hear things, you know. And what do you do when you hear things? You just kind of qualify it up here. And you just say, boy, that's too bad, or oh, I hope that's not true, or all this kind of stuff. And yet, I, I think that this actually says something different. And so I, I stood in front of the congregation at River of Life, and I said, here's the deal. I'm telling you right now, that I want to be a lover of God with everything that I am. 
and I want to follow his truth and I want to obey his word. And that is the desire of my heart. So having said that now, you all have a standard that you can hold me to because I have just told you where I stand. I want that to be the captivating work of my life and I want it to be visible to those who are around me. So now that I have spoken that out, you can hold me to a standard. But it doesn't stop there. I said, okay. Now, everybody that's in here, we're not here by accident in this congregation. Everybody that desires the same thing, anyone who's here that says, I want to profess my love for God, I want to profess my faith through Jesus Christ, and I want to see the beauty of His life and His love come through me, and the uppermost priority in my life is to live for Christ and to obey His teachings. I want you to stand. And they stood. And I really don't care if it's peer pressure or not. Sometimes we get so afraid in the church that, oh, this and this. Everybody has their own responsibility according to Ephesians 6, 3 and 4. And yet we need to offer to bear one another's burdens. So now as they're standing, I say, okay, now look around. Look at all the people standing here. It's an invitation that we can walk together and we can hold one another accountable. Does it mean that we can accuse and go after? No, no, no. It doesn't say accuse. It says restore. In other words, I go after somebody and say, I heard this about you. I watched this abuse or I observed this in you and I'm concerned. Can I just ask you a question? Is this a trouble spot in your life or is that something that just happened? Are you okay? Because here's what I want. I want to see you make it. I want to see you thrive in the kingdom of God. And I'm going, that to me is something that would open up our whole understanding of bearing one another's burdens and yet not blaming somebody that they didn't come after me when I was overtaken in a fall. And I've heard that over and over again. I'm going, do we know where the lines are of being able to go after somebody? But if we would just commit ourselves to say, you know what? I love God and I want to obey Him. Hold me to it. That opens up our whole understanding of, this, of these verses. The kingdom-minded people can forgive because they know what repentance looks like. Kingdom-minded people should quickly repent if they're approached for the sake of the kingdom. If we have kingdom-minded understanding instead of personal. So here's what I want you to understand. The law oppresses me, so I oppress others. The Spirit releases me, so I release others. There's a law of redemption by life in the Spirit that causes me to want them to be free. If I have been liberated, I preach liberation. If I am overtaken, I'm inviting somebody to come after me. I want to see all of us liberated. For the sake of the kingdom, because when we can show liberation to others, they'll desire it too. Let's go to verse six. It says this, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. I love that verse. I'm a pastor and that means you should pay your preacher. No, I, I you know, um, <laughs> what it means is there is a value concept for those who are actually going to teach you in the word that there should be something that gives them the ability to receive back from you. If you look at this, this is a law of reciprocation that is active in the church. But see, the law doesn't do this. Spirit 
desires this. Why? Because the law makes it individual. The spirit makes it corporate. We want the kingdom to be established. So God gifts, we understand how God gifts people. And if I am receiving from somebody, I ought to want to give back. It's it's another law of reciprocation in this thing. And then it says in verse 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I call this universal law. This is a law that not only applies to the believer, it applies to the unbeliever. In other words, there's consequences for everything. Because the next verse says this, For he that soweth to the flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. Things, corruption, things that decay, things that pass away, things that die. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Think about this now. You could go all the way from verse 1 all the way down through that verse and you still would be talking about the same subject. And what is that? This is what is communicated. He's telling them that by Spirit, there is an economy in this kingdom that we become part of if we are born of the Spirit of God. I become one who restores. I become one who assists. I become one who gives. I become one who makes it sure that I am sowing in the Spirit so that life in the Spirit will be reaped around where I live. All of these things are a spiritual work ethic. There's so much to us understanding how these things work together in us so that when we look at, okay, you guys know a, a verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says this, this is what we know, that all things work together for good to them who love God and are the called according to his purpose. We know that verse. But look at the nature of God that comes into the believer and realize that he actually puts that by the fruit of the Spirit into the nature of the believer so that he also would want all things to work together for good because it's a kingdom principle. Because the law of the Spirit is is like the law of sowing and reaping. If you sow to the flesh, you get corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap life everlasting. And the kingdom is about life. And so as we are motivated by the Spirit, we build spiritual kingdom. And as that spiritual kingdom expands, there there is this whole idea. And I love it. I've even heard it more since I've been around time to revive. You know how the Bible says that God is a jealous God? It says it in quite a number of places. But there is a law of jealousy. Sometimes we call it grass is greener. We call it other things, envy and all these things. But you know, when somebody sees something good in somebody else, there is to be a jealousy. And what we, what we have through, through the understanding of the, the the Jewish nation, they were to be a people that made the rest of the world jealous. But they didn't understand their Messiah. So what happens is then God pulled this other group of people out that we now are as believers. And what they are to, to do is they are to have lives exemplary in the ways of God that would cause other people to become jealous of the blessing of God that follows their life because they're sowing in the spirit. And as we sow of the spirit, we will of the spirit reap life everlasting. That's supposed to be attractive to the people around us. And when they see that, they're going, I want what you have. I was visiting with my mother just the other day. My mom's in an assisted living home. And um, I, I mean, she's just got a wonderful testimony. She is probably the greatest prayer warrior that I know uh, in this world. Um, 
spends hours every day just, just praying. And uh, if she gets a phone call and she gets many a, a day. And she will keep her prayer list going and all this kind of stuff. But her mantra in this whole thing is, I may not be able to do everything, but I can bring everything to God. I can, I can still, of this whole life, I can make it so that I am um, ready to help and assist. So recently what's happened is there, there was an older person in the same uh, facility that was dying. And my mom knew this person, so she went over to the room. And she began to sing with her. My mom is 90 years old. And she began to sing and just to pray for this person. Well, some of the staff came over and saw what was going on in the room. That person passed on. Things went back. But there was another person a little bit later on that was going down that path of death. And the staff came and got my mother and said, would you also do the same thing in that room that you did in that room? Why? Because she has that, that look about her that there's something she's sowing in the Spirit and the Spirit brings life everlasting. In that room, as she was coming in there, there was a young man sitting there all by himself in the room with this dying person. And my mom began to pray and to minister and this young man began to weep in the room. And um, it was just a couple days later, things went back and this person passed on. But a family member came in and said she wants to see this woman that was in the room. And uh, so they, they brought her to mom and said they wanted to thank her because they said this young man that was in that room has been a prodigal to the family and he's been away. But that so touched him in his spirit that now he's been reunited with his family because the law of the spirit is going to bring life to other people. And as we sow to the spirit, we shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And this family got to see the life everlasting just by one 90 year old person going in and praying and seeing with a dying person. We think it's complicated in so many ways and we're quick to, if we're not careful, we'll be of the law and we'll want to cut people off for the things that they're doing and the things we may even see them do. But the law of life in the spirit is you who are spiritual, go and restore such a one so that there's this restoration that becomes the element of life in the church and among believers. And as we see this happen among us, people will go, man, how they love one another, how they care. Why? It's not natural to us. It's the law of the spirit in us that when we see something happen, we realize, man, that's going to be hard for them. That's going to kill them. That's going to bring such hardship to their family. I gotta go to them and I gotta talk to them and I've gotta encourage them. Stay in the way of God. Walk in righteousness. Keep walking. Stay far away from sin. That's what I see in Ephesians chapter six. We're not doing this all the chapter, but we go to verse nine and it says this. And let us not grow weary in well doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Just think about what I've told you in this um, segment of uh, Galatians chapter 6. Let us not be weary. In other words, it's a work ethic, but it's life-giving. And you know what? It does cost us. There's energy involved. There's time involved. There's study involved. There's, there's, there's observation involved. We've got to see. We've got to be among. We've got to do all that stuff. But it's not hardship if we keep our understanding that this is kingdom. I'm not looking at my person. I don't have anything, remember? I am nothing. Let a man, if he thinks he's something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. I, I, I can't go there. Neither can you. In this day, come on, church. 
Let us hold a work ethic that loves one another, seeks to restore one another, chases after, gives back reciprocity, and then gives us the understanding that there's laws involved and it is far more blessed to give than it is to receive. But if all of us give, all of us will receive. The supernatural ways of God are above our understanding, but I know the Spirit wants to make it real in our hearts. Hey, that's all we have time for today. Thanks for being a part of Revive School, and we bless you in Jesus' name. See you later.